Welcome to Stories of Hope. This podcast segment is part of Michael Crossan's itinerant preaching ministry. The Stories of Hope segments are a collection of interviews from various people from all walks of life who share their stories about how they discovered God's hope and purpose in life's darkest hours. I pray that these stories bless you and encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hi there, welcome to this episode of Stories of Hope. My next guest is Dr. Chloe Beverland, and I am so excited that she is on and agreed to share her story with you. So thank you, Chloe, for coming on and welcome to the world, little Penny. She is beautiful. I'm currently mm-hmm. seeing her and she's got the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. It's so lovely to see you today. <laughs> and um, but, uh, thank you for coming along, coming on. Um, so tell us- No about- problem, thank you for having me. So tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from and, and what you do and just about life, just, let's just talk. Yeah, no problem. So yes, I'm Chloe. Um, I am 29, so my last year before the big 3 Um, I grew up in Newton Arts and um, went to school in Belfast. And um, I am married to Charlie. And Charlie is a farmer, so we live on our farm in the Arts Peninsula. Mm-hmm. And um, that comes with all of the challenges of being a farmer's wife, but also all of just the um, just the blessings of living on a beautiful farm. And we, yes, we recently had our first little daughter. So um, she is called Penny and she is nearly four months old and she is with me at the minute. So if you can hear her. You'll definitely be able to hear little noises as we go throughout. Um, and yes, I am a children's doctor. And before I went on maternity, I was working at the neonatal unit in the Royal. Um, and I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, it's just a great, great job and feel very, very blessed and privileged to do it. I'm sure, I'm sure you are because my wife is trained to be a midwife and has worked alongside mm-hmm. me and especially in this time in, in the coronavirus and pandemic, never before has our health service been so appreciated and it should be appreciated yeah. pre-pandemic, post-pandemic and whatever term we want to use now. Um, so what? So tell me about your upbringing. Were you brought up in a, a Christian environment or a religious environment? How did you come to know Christ as your own personal Lord and Saviour? Tell us about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, no, I wasn't actually. I, um, I grew up so I grew up with my mom my dad and a sister younger sister and my parents aren't religious and my grandparents all were so I grew up going to Sunday school with my granda um, and my granny and that's my mum on my mum's side so I went to Sunday school for years and years and years loved it um but never really Commit. I never really had that personal relationship with Christ until I was 21 mm-hmm. and when I was 21 I um through medical school I'd made a an amazing friend called Katie and she's still one of my best friends to this day um and her and her husband were Christian and I just spent a lot of time with them and seeing how they lived and interacted and their like outwardly love for Christ um just hugely impacted my life and I ended up going to church with them 
one day and on that first day I went gave my life to Christ at the um called the prayer at the end and that was yeah I was 21 so that's about eight years ago now that's that's lovely and mm-hmm. in, in that time where you made a commitment you grew up in you know the traditional Sunday school saying you heard the stories but it was how someone lived and interacted yeah. with you and Christ says by this the world will know you are to my disciples if you love one another and uh, yeah. that you experienced that with your friend Katie and her husband um so yeah. speaking of uh marriage where did you meet your husband Charlie so I um I had I have another friend called Katie a different Katie and I worked with her in a shop in Belfast while I was studying and um it was her uh whenever she got married to her husband Nick Charlie was their best man and I was the bridesmaid so we actually met through them and then they were our best man and bridesmaid at our wedding so we did a bit of a role reversal a couple of years later so um yes it was just three friends three friends that's that's very sweet and then Mm -hmm. you are a children's doctor what made you study to become a children's doctor was that a passion you had or was there something that sparked that passion um, so I, I pretty much always, from I was about 16, always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Um, my dad always wanted, I don't know, he always wanted me to be a doctor. Um, we laugh now, so then he made me do it, but he was just very encouraging. <laughs> um, and certainly throughout medical school, I always wanted to be a children's doctor, but I worked for about five years in adult medicine first, um, just kind of deciding really definitely what path I wanted to go down um your training is naturally much more based with adults um and I didn't get a job in pediatrics whenever those first few years so I kind of gave up on it a little bit um but then I came to a place where I actually took a year away from work um, and I went on a mission trip for a year and um during that year I really had to decide whether um, I wanted to go back to medicine at all because it wasn't something that I was particularly enjoying at the time. Um, and I just spent a lot of that year in prayer and kind of searching for what direction I wanted to go in. Did I want a career change? Did I want to um, just, I just wasn't sure. But through that year, the Lord just made it so clear to me that um, I needed to go with what he had initially put in my heart, which was pediatrics. And so I said to myself, okay, I'll apply. And if I get in, brilliant, I'll go down that route. And if I don't, I'll do something else. I'll step back from medicine. Um, And I got in and I have absolutely loved every second of it since. So it's just been a real God thing because it was certainly a career that I was finding really difficult and wasn't sure if I was going to fully stay in. Um, And now I absolutely love my job. That's, that's incredible you know the mm-hmm. bible says you know delight yourself in the lord he shall give you your heart's desires and to anyone listening who doesn't know what they want to do in life perhaps you're in the medical field or in other fields seek the lord and if it's his will yeah. god will open the door just yeah. keep it in him and more importantly trust in him um where where i heard about chloe beverland was through my wife and she follows you on instagram and you're called mm-hmm. a farmhouse family now, but I can't remember what you were called before that. But um, mm-hmm. you started to open up about your loss of, of a child and, and the miscarriage. Yeah. And I have never in my life exp- experienced or heard someone talk about so openly on social media or inst- Instagram. 
And I think it's something in Northern Ireland especially where we don't really talk about it. Yeah. I know I had a, a cousin who was who's, who passed away in miscarriage and I still count them as a family member or yeah. infant loss in general. I think for the sake of our society, we need to talk about these things. We need to be open mm -hmm. about the struggles, the pain, and seeing God in the midst of pain. So in your own time, tell us a bit about that time. Um, yeah. Afterwards, we'll talk about what we would say to those who are going through something similar. So in your own words. Yeah. 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 So Charlie and I got married in September of 2019 um, and we knew we wanted to have children um, quickly. It was something we both really desired. Um, and thankfully, we we got pregnant really quickly um, and we were so excited. We went for a private scan at six weeks and um, just because we, we just couldn't wait and we, did, we wanted to just see if everything was OK. And at that first scan, they told us everything um, looked probably smaller than it should have been um, and that there was no heartbeat yet. But they said it was still early and that that could develop so that they would bring us back in a week to kind of look at things again. And when we went back a week later, nothing had progressed. So at that stage, we were um, sent to the NHS clinic and over the next couple of weeks um, had further scans and follow up and then had medical management of a miscarriage at about nine weeks pregnant. So, um, so yeah, obviously not what you expect for your first pregnancy. Um, and I think I went into the whole thing very naively um thinking that it just I don't know why I just don't think you ever imagine it's going to happen to you it's not your first thought is that oh you're going to get pregnant and miscarry you're so excited and um it's such like a joyful time so I think to to then end up you know going through that um just was a big shock to us more than anything um, and obviously very upsetting you know your first little baby and everything that comes with that and then to know that you know on this side of heaven you're not going to meet them so yeah, it was a really difficult time. Um, just, yeah, it's just not something that is talked about a whole lot. And I think I just wanted to, to not hide it. I didn't want to feel embarrassed by it. Um, I didn't want to feel that, um, yeah, just, I think embarrassment was the main thing. I didn't want to let that take over. I didn't want to let the enemy tell me that I had done something wrong. So I felt by sharing it and by kind of bringing it to the light that that was a way for me to process it. Um, and it was also a way for me to recognize that that was still my first child. So it's not that, you know, like when when people say to me about Penny, is that your first baby? You know, and if it's someone I don't know, I say yes, because I don't want to go into a full story, you know, with the person in the shop or, you know, just someone who doesn't really know. But in a way, I don't count her as my first baby, I count her as my second baby because that first little baby still was the one who I feel made me mum and made Charlie dad. And um, and I felt by expressing that on my social media, which is just like a small little place where I love to like share our life and and just share faith and um, home stuff and, you know, just natural living, all those kind of things, you know, it's a bit of light stuff and a bit of heavy stuff, but I just felt by sharing that it really kind of acknowledged to me that we had had a baby and that we had lost them and that I hope that, again, yeah, that it could bring some comfort to other people by showing that it's not something to be ashamed of and it's not something um, to hide, but it's something that's really common 
Um, I think the statistic is one in four women, but in my experience in my friendship groups, it's it's more than that. You know, it's it's maybe one in two, one in three women, and maybe we just don't always know about, you know, how many people it actually happens to. Um, so yeah, it it really helped me to share. Um, it didn't, it wasn't something I felt like I had to do, but it just helped me process it and helped me kind of come to terms with it. And then when I did share it, the amount of people who came back to me and said, this happened to me too, you know, recently or a long time ago, or like it was overwhelming the amount of people who have shared the same experience. Um, and then that just helps you feel not alone in it. It just helps you feel that this is, um, almost just a part of the journey of trying to have children um, and it's really hard but also it was nice to have that little bit of solidarity with other women and just know that um, so many of us had walked through you know the exact same story so yeah it just really helped me to share and in terms of um, my relationship with God during it um, there was never a point that I remember feeling angry with him um, I remember listening to a song and it said, Jesus runs after the brokenhearted, weeping with those who weep. And for me, like, I remember just like having that on repeat. Like he was, if I was sad, he was sad with me. Um, if I was weeping, he was weeping with me. And it wasn't uh, an angry thing. It was a, he met me in the middle of it and um, strengthened me and supported me through it. And I remember saying to a friend, I don't know how I could ever have done it without the hope of heaven because you know that that is the only thing that gets us through these tough times um is knowing I always say it's it's hope and heartache you know and um hope in the midst of awful heartache because you know I didn't meet that baby on earth but I absolutely will meet them in heaven and you know what you know there's just no no greater joy in that than you know bringing something that was so painful but knowing that he redeems it and he will make it beautiful, you know, all in his time. That's just beautiful. And there is hope in heart because the Bible says the Lord is near to those who are broken hearted, but not only that, he binds up their wounds. And God was with you so evidently in that journey. Yeah. And my people that opened up, what would you say to someone right now who's listening, who is in a similar situation as yourself? He has sadly lost a child at so, yeah. at so many weeks or perhaps stillborn or, or, or different sex situations what would you say to them right now if they're listening that you wish you something I told you at that at that time yeah oh it's I think that the the best thing I I did in those times was get up in the morning and put worship music on mm -hmm. and music worship music just soothes my soul in a way that sometimes little else can um and sometimes whenever you know whenever prayer is difficult sometimes when you don't have the words um I find worship music gives me that those words to sing over um my life in those situations so um my house constantly had worship music playing through a speaker um and it was just saturating my home in um promises and the word of God and giving me words that I didn't have for myself um, but I would I would say to people, if they have someone to share it with, you know, that burden is not something to carry on your own. Um, and that sadness isn't something to carry on your own. It is something to um, 
to get get help with and, and and share that with someone else and I found whenever I did share it with friends and with friends of faith especially who I knew would be praying over me and praying over that baby and praying over Charlie and you know just having that that support system um really really helped me and I think if I had have kind of kept it secret and and not spoken about it I'm not sure I would have come through it quite um quite in the same way and even in the midst of of that how did Charlie cope your husband because men keep especially in society men have to be the the strong ones the stiff upper lip I know that's changing now but how did your husband cope alongside you as well yeah I think I think his main thing was just taking care of me and I think if he, I think that kind of helped him because he thought if I can take care of Chloe, then, you know, we'll all get through it. Okay. And I remember him saying, you know, it's just, he just wants me to be okay. You know, and it, it is different. I think for, in our experience, it was different for me because it was my body and I felt a certain, you know, had my body let me down and all those kind of things. So there's just a different struggle. Um, and obviously it was me who had to physically go through the loss. So um, I think he, he just, his way of coping with it was looking after me and making sure that I was okay. And he was with me and I was, you know, comfortable and fed and, you know, co- you know, he just looked after me and then um, I could kind of look after everything else. So I think that's how he coped with things, which was great for me because I just felt so supported and kind of loved through it. That's lovely. That's wonderful. And in due time, after that experience had passed, you became pregnant with Penny. So tell us that journey and Penny's birth and life afterwards. Yeah. So I suppose with we we yeah. So we we um about I think about two months later we ended up getting pregnant with Penny. So again, we were just so blessed to get pregnant quickly. Um, but obviously then it came with a whole set of worries that the same thing was going to happen again. Um, so again, we got a private scan and thankfully at that private scan, everything was fine. Um, and that was actually just before Charlie's birthday. So it was just like a real birthday celebration, finding out that um, hopefully that, that we were past it, you know, the dangerous period with, with Penny. Um, as we now know, we're obviously just a little baby then. Um, so yes we ended up going for a couple of private scans just because we were obviously a little bit on edge um but thankfully everything was fine and um apart from some standard morning sickness um everything went well until around um 24 weeks so at that time I was working actually in the neonatal unit so um just so strangely but at that time I, I my body started showing signs of going into preterm labor so I started having contractions and just had this awful feeling that something was wrong um, and I wouldn't be an anxious person or um, anything like that so whenever I had this real anxiety that something was wrong with her and um, my friends encouraged me to go and get checked out and unfortunately my body had started showing signs that I was going into labor at 24 weeks and obviously at that time what being that I was working in the neonatal unit um, I just knew far too much so I knew at 24 weeks the statistics and the percentages and the likelihoods and things like that so it just made it all very obviously difficult um, but I was admitted into hospital I was admitted into the Royal 
for three weeks um, and I was on hospitalized bed rest for that time. Um, and obviously that was that would be difficult at any time but during obviously the COVID pandemic um, Charlie was only allowed in to see me once a week for an hour so you know in three weeks we seen each other for three hours and we were obviously going through you know one of the toughest times of our lives we you know, didn't know if our little baby was going to be born early if she was going to survive if um you know, just we it was just all swapping the air. We were making these really big decisions every day. Um, and we weren't able to be together. So, you know, on any day that would be hard, but especially during kind of the recent times, it was just really difficult. So I ended up being in hospital um until I was 27 weeks, and then they let me go home because at that stage, if I went into labor, the Ulster could look after Penny, um, which we were so grateful for, but I actually ended up and staying at my mum's house for another kind of four weeks because she was much closer to the Ulster than we would be we would be about 40 minutes from the Ulster and we just felt if I went into labour at home still that early we would just be too far away so um I stayed at my mum's for about four weeks and then came home when I was about 30 31 weeks so that was just lovely to get home and be in my own space again um, and ultimately and literally by the grace of God and by his miraculous work Penny was able to stay inside my tummy until 38 weeks so at that stage she was then a full-term healthy amazing baby which we just had never expected you know we did spend most of our pregnancy preparing ourselves for having a very preterm very sick baby um, so to get to 38 weeks and have this six pound healthy beautiful baby was um, just amazing and I was able to have um, like a, a water birth which was my dream from the very start that I really never thought I would get because of all the complications that we had went through with Penny um, and yes just it was just amazing and we ended up having our own New Year's Eve of 2020 so it was just like the most beautiful way to end like this really difficult you know horrible hard year and just to sit whenever it turned midnight of going into 2021 it was just me and Penny because obviously Charlie had had to go home at that stage but it was just the loveliest moment just sitting looking at her and being like oh my goodness like what a year of miscarriage and of a really difficult pregnancy and um you know just everything that came with that and then to be sitting on the last day of 2020 a year that we'll all remember as a horrible year anyway <laughs> um with my newborn healthy daughter you know just literally a miracle of god it's just lovely to hear a miracle of god mm. little penny yeah. and you know you went through that but god was with you and with charlie your husband in that yeah what would you say to someone who is in a sort of similar situation right now where they don't know whether they're going to be born early very yeah. what would you say to them who are who are listening because i'm conscious that this podcast reaches many who are going through similar situations or even in hospital uh, yeah i get messages from different people what would you say to them yeah Gosh, it, it's, it's such a scary time. It really is. And the the fear of having a, a preterm baby, um, you feel like you're losing control because you've absolutely no control over um over over them at that stage. And um, 
it is truly a place I had to get to a place of incredible dependence on God and just being so dependent on him and saying I don't know what's going to happen and if she is born early there is nothing I can do um so one I was praying one just praying that that his will would be done in my life and that is such a hard prayer to pray when you're in the middle of a really tough situation and it could go either way but there was nothing else I could do. And I think that's just the place that you get to is just, there's nothing you can do. There's no control you have. So the only thing you can do is pray and ask. And I just, I, I don't want that to sound cliche because, but truly I spent my days in prayer, just asking him to be in control because I couldn't be. And just, ha- just literally unclenching my fist and handing her over to him and handing myself over to him, you know, in the process. So I would just say, just pray and let go of anything that you're trying to do and just put it in his hands. And you know, it's, it, it, I, don't, I really don't want to sound cliche because I know that sometimes that can just sound like, you know, the standard answer. But in those days in hospital, I would just sit and I would listen to worship and I would pray and I would ask friends for prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so important as well because like I've said before there's sometimes you just don't have the words for it and I I did share our preterm labor journey on my Instagram as well and um I was getting like that first night that I went into hospital I shared about it the next day and I think the next day I tried to count them and I had over 200 messages of people messaged me saying they were praying for her and like that is just incredible that's more than I could ever do on my own that is getting an army of people around you praying for you um, and like I've said before sharing just felt like the most natural thing for me and um, because I knew it would result in prayer um, and I think if you're sharing and you know you know, people share for all different reasons but sharing to be covered in prayer was just the best thing that we could do so I would just encourage anyone who's going through that similar situation is just to cover yourself in prayer to ask for other people to pray for you and we have people from far and wide uh, and people's moms adding us into their prayer groups and you just the people that we had never met and likely will never meet and praying for us and just begging God for a miracle and and he came through so I would just encourage anyone that you know he is bigger than anything we go through um, and he redeems it all. And, um, and yeah, he's just, he is working a miracle in the middle of your trial and your waiting and just to trust him and pray for it. Just pray to him the whole time. That was, that's wonderful. And it's not a Christian cliche because it works. Because mm-hmm. our prayer works. The, the scripture yeah. constantly encourage and bless and sustain us. And even in worship, we are in his presence, singing and, and with him. Yeah. And, you know, God takes us through these darkest valleys and he leads us through. And now Penny is born. And how is she doing now? I've seen in her story, she's got a lovely smile. She likes looking at her smile. I think it was yesterday, I think it was. Yeah. She does. <laughs> she does. She really is. She's wonderful. Um, she, she's, she's just... I don't want to say a good baby because all babies are good. And whenever people say to me, is she a good baby? That's all I want to say. I want to say they're all good. But she is, she is the happiest, smiliest girl. And um, I was so blessed to have three best friends, all 
have we all have newborn babies so there's four of us with four babies and um they just love they just can't believe she is the smiliest girl mm -hmm. she's always uh cooing and chatting and um she's just the loveliest little company and um truly just an answer to prayer after after such a a roller coaster ride that's lovely that's great to hear and finally before we close because in your story you're basically asking all the questions that are going on in my head which is incredible um <laughs> what has been a bible verse that's brought you hope in this time that you've kind of cling to or pray mm -hmm. over honey what, what kind of verse that's dear to your heart and you'd like to share with us as we close yeah gosh so, like so many and i find that and um, what i was actually going to add is whenever i pray i do try and pray scripture because sometimes um our words are are of us and sometimes i just feel like there's just not words that i have um so i love to pray scripture over her i think one thing that i i say to myself every like literally every day is his mercies are new every morning mm -hmm. um and i just think that covers everything for me if i have a day where i am frustrated where because being a mom is really difficult as well as really amazing um if i have a day that i'm frustrated i say to myself his mercies are new every morning if i have a day that i'm sad because um you know, because of, of maybe what happened in the past, I say to myself that his mercies are new every morning. And it is just something I, I genuinely say to myself over and over and over again. Um, and then in hospital, I um, I always clung to come to me or you hear weary um, and I will give you rest because um, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And I mean, that is just comfort to anyone who hears it um, because we all get weary and knowing that his you know in those weary moments he doesn't push us away he says come to me um and that is just you know i, I get goosebumps just thinking about it it's just so special that's wonderful i just want to thank you for coming on this episode of stories of hope i've been blessed hearing this story and hearing it um expanded more and talked about more and for those who are listening, we're going to pray and I'll put the link into uh, Chloe's Instagram in the description below or above, depending on what platform you're watching this from. Um, and also links to sources if you need further help with infant loss or miscarried loss, there's help and support available. You're not alone in this journey yeah. um, and things do get better. And that is the truth. Yeah. God, things do get better. And he does work out all things together for good. So we're going to yeah. pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are sovereign over us. And Lord, we come to you knowing that your yoke is easy and your burden is light and your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And we pray for those who are listening. Lord, I thank you for the story and the testimony of hope through Chloe. Lord, even after that heartache of losing her first child in the miscarriage at nine weeks, Lord, we just pray that for those who are going through something so similar, Lord, we pray at your peace, that your nearness would draw close to them, that you would help them along this journey, help them to see, yes, you, they won't meet their child this side of him, but we will see them in glory. And every child who has been lost is on the streets of Jerusalem with you. And Lord, may we take comfort in that. 
And Lord, I pray for those who are struggling, Lord, that they would receive and seek help, that they would pray and seek your face and seek help if necessary. And Lord, we think of those who are still struggling, maybe perhaps going through pregnancy and lockdown or worried about a baby being born prematurely. Lord, I pray that the story would bring hope to those who need it. And we thank you for our National Health Service. We thank you for every doctor, every midwife, every nurse, every student, Lord. We thank you for them during this difficult time of pandemic. And we pray for every child born in lockdown that you keep your hand upon them. We thank you for the safe delivery of Penny. Lord, I pray you do a mighty work in Penny's life, Lord, and use her to do great things in your kingdom. I thank you for Chloe's faith, Lord, and her husband, Lord. I just pray you would bless them both abundantly and use them for the expansion of your kingdom. And Lord, just bless and undertake and be with those who need you and that there is hope, hope in Jesus Christ. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Chloe, for coming on Stories of Hope. And I just want to say thank you for listening to this wonderful episode. And I hope you stay safe and are keeping well and join us next week on the next episode of Stories of Hope. Take care and God bless. Bye-bye.